Okay. Well, uh, everybody's here, so uh, really excited to get this started. Thank you, Charlie, Connor, and Avery for another special edition of Sports with a Z. Uh, today, I'm really excited to talk about water polo. Growing up in Texas, it's not a very well-known sport, uh, even though I, I played it at middle school and high school. I know you all, quite frankly, better players and more experienced than myself, so I want to defer to you all to kind of drive this conversation, but really the point is to showcase what I think is the hardest hardest sport in the world, but arguably the most entertaining, and this is kind of free-formed. I typically have an agenda, what I want to talk about, uh, specific talking points, but I think it'd be good to just start off uh, with everybody introing themselves and uh, your involvement in water polo and, and any, any thoughts you want to add, and we can just go from there. Thanks, Zach. Um, I, uh, I'm born and raised in the Bay Area in California, and, um, and water polo is, is pretty popular in the Bay Area and, and uh, certain parts of California. Um, and so grew up like swimming is a really, really popular thing when you're growing up, especially in the summers. And so um, a lot of folks kind of just kids dabble in water polo and and I stuck with it and um, played, started getting more competitive in high school and and uh, and then went and played at Stanford with Connor. And um, and uh, yeah, and we'll we'll talk more about water polo I ran into some some injuries later on and and that kind of took me out of the sport but um still still love the sport and love following it and watching it so that's a little background on me thanks Char. Connor Avery whoever wants to sure I can I can jump in um so I'm uh I'm from Davis originally uh, a little bit north of the bay area um i've been playing my entire life my dad was uh, and still is the high school water polo coach there and so been around the sport my entire life and was attending practices since i was probably six or so so um like charlie i did i did swimming and all the other sports growing up um but stopped all of them except for swimming and water polo in about fifth grade uh but played club all through um, you know, elementary school, middle school, and high school, um, made a couple of, of youth and junior national teams where I got to play abroad, which was really great. And then joined Charlie at Stanford, which was a great experience and a ton of fun. Um, and then, uh, currently actually, I still, I still play for the Olympic club out of San Francisco. So, um, still, still involved, can't really seem to let it go, but, uh, have no intention of doing so. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up. So I, I'm from Connecticut originally, which is certainly not a huge hub for water polo. It's mostly concentrated um, on the west coast of the U.S. But I'm from Greenwich, which is kind of a little blip um, on the east coast of, of a more popular area for the sport. Uh, I got involved through just my summer club. I was on the swim team and then got asked to, to play on the water polo team for the summer club. And it happened to be that the coach of my summer club was was the coach of the kind of competitive national club team um, in Greenwich. And so, you know, ended up sort of joining that that team from there uh, and fell in love with the sport. Uh, it's just kind of a unique combination of, you know, swimming and, and strategy and teamwork. Um, 
And when I got to high school, had to make a decision uh, to either stay at my high school um, and quit playing super competitively um, or switch schools and go to boarding school and continue doing ODP and things like that. Um, and I, I decided to prioritize academics. So I ended up, I ended up quitting, but um, missed the sport too much. And so I ended up actually starting a team at my high school um, and becoming super competitive there. We ended up being um, sort of champions in our league after two years, which was awesome. Um, and then when I got to Stanford, uh, continued just playing club um, on the co-ed team at Stanford and eventually ended up being captain of that team. Um, and now I'm just a huge fan. Some of my best friends from school were on the varsity team at Stanford. And so it's my, my favorite thing to watch them uh, in their professional careers now uh, on the U.S. national team and, and in their um, different professional teams uh, in Europe, especially. So that's sort of my background. Thanks, Avery. Thanks. Also, Charlie and Connor, I'll, I'll bookend that real quick with uh, my brief history with water polo. Like I said, I, I played a little bit in uh, middle school and high school. I'm, I'm from Dallas, Texas, as I'm sure most people know by now, where it's, you know, football's king in Texas. And the varsity football coach was recruiting me to be an offensive lineman since third grade. And all I wanted to do was uh, play water polo. And so it, 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 there wasn't a lot of opportunity, but I was fortunately at a school where there was a program. We had a, a Romanian coach. Who was, who was very serious and he had played for the Romanian national team and he kind of brought the program to St. Mark's, uh, my high school, and really a lot of North Texas. Uh, we competed in uh, private school private school and public school competitions because it's not a sanctioned sport in Texas. And my uh, varsity, my high school team, had a string of about four state championships in a, a five-year stretch. That said, whenever they would go to Junior Olympics in California, they could never even crack a top 20 team. So I'm excited to kind of jump into these conversations about uh, the differences in the presence of water polo, uh, you know, East, West, uh, Mid-America, and just get everybody's thoughts here. Just kind of a a nice roundtable. Like I said, this would be pretty free-formed. I I guess I'll, I'll start off. Uh, Charlie, I'd love to hear, Charlie, you and Connor, about your varsity water polo experience at Stanford and uh, what it was like for you all coming to such a rigorous program. And uh, if, if there's just any, you know, stories or tidbits that you want you want to share, that would be helpful for the audience to hear. Yeah, I can I can start maybe by uh going off what it was like when we first got there. Um, and Connor, he, he, he uh, played a lot more than me and maybe he can talk, talk about kind of the, what it's like after the, the first season, but, um, or just whatever, but, um, yeah, I mean, so Stanford is a, is a, uh, quarter system school. So we don't start school until the, until like late September. Um, and so, but, water polo men's water polo is a fall sport and so the the teams report for duty in in august and so you're pretty much at on campus for a month without any students um and really just grinding and training um for to prepare for the season so you have a few weeks before any games start where you're 
you just you you arrive on campus you're you're in the dorms with the team um and when you're a a incoming freshman this is this is pretty it's pretty intimidating period when you're um when you're just you know grinding eight hours a day you're playing with with uh really grown men who are four years older than you and um and uh just more mature and and bigger but we had a pretty pretty unique experience in that we had um about what like eight to ten freshmen who were in our class who were very talented and and uh a lot of them actually um we got to play play freshman year and and contribute to a really talented team which was fun but um that initial that initial like hell week period i mean it's it's more than a week but you're you're just getting your conditioning in in uh in shape and trying to get the chemistry down um and the level of play going from high school to high school and club to then college is is a, a big step up and um so it's it's a big it's a big transition going from high school and club to um to uh to college just everyone's faster and stronger and bigger um but that's uh that time before before everyone else came on campus was nice to be able to just only worry only focus on water polo um it's fun after that first four week period when when uh when you have more more students coming to campus and you can kind of really take advantage of that that uh that kind of freshman fall and and meeting new people and in the classes and whatnot um but uh it was it's that being a fall sports unique in that you do have that time where it's just the team um just a few other sports on campus and it was a it was a fun period and having a great group of freshmen who were able to contribute to a team was was uh was was a really fun and unique opportunity so um it was it was very fortunate to have, have had that opportunity and experience. Yeah, I can jump in there too and echo some of Charlie's similar thoughts. Um, yeah, the transition was tough. I think the diff- the biggest difference, like like Charlie said, you arrive early and then it's it's straight into not not a hell week, more of a of a hell month. Um, sometimes feeling like a hell year, to be honest, but. Uh, it's there's certain certain NC2A guidelines when it comes to the amount of time you can practice. And so Charlie mentioned like you'd have three or four weeks of practice before any game starts. And so as soon as a game starts, then the hours that we can practice a week are are constrained to 20 hours a week. And so prior to that, like Charlie said, it, it you could do eight hours a day or 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 sometimes more, sometimes less. Um but really just the volume and then the fact that the, the game speeds up at such a rapid clip compared to high school um, at the clubs that we played at and the high schools we played out, you know, you, you're likely one of the top players, if not the top player. And so moving from that sort of secure position where you're comfortable and you know what to expect to something that's completely different um, is a lot to take in. And there's a little bit of a shell shock feeling. Um, but something I noticed is that every year that I came back, um, got a little bit more acclimated to it. And so the surprise of it was, was maybe gone, but still it's such an exciting time period being there before school where, like Charlie said, that's, that's all you're focusing on. Um, and then I, I've, I've mentioned it before, um, not on this particular, uh, 
show, but on another one, but like that first game where you've just been, you know, there's nobody in the stands, but you're working out six hours a day sometimes. And then that first game where normally high school water polo is not the most attended sport. And so, you know, you have the, the, the parents and, and, and uh, significant others who are in the stands, but then you go to a game where it's like the students are there. There's people that just like the sport that are there. And so, the magnitude of that of that feeling is 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 something that I, I really really enjoyed and never really got used to. Um, but still, yeah, it, it was it was really special. Um, also, just the culmination of a, of a lot of work and a, a lot of effort to get to that point. So it's pretty pretty surreal. Thanks, guys. Uh, really appreciate hearing that uh, perspective. I know it's really unique, uh, especially with Stanford being the strong collegiate water polo program. Uh, it's, it's really interesting to hear about that transition, uh, especially coming from already a hyper-competitive water polo environment of California. Um, I'm going to pivot the conversation a little bit since we are having a little difficulty hearing you. Uh, to Back to Charlie and Connor, I think the timeliness water polo right now with the Olympics just having wrapped up, uh, the U.S. finished sixth. And, you know, I want there to be some continuity in this conversation. We were just talking about collegiate water polo and obviously the direct connection there. There's Ben Howick on the national team. And I'm not sure if there's if there's other people. And please correct me if, if I'm wrong. But what is uh, what was your guys overall thoughts on the performance, how we did? And if, you know, that is something that's acceptable, a six, like that's great or we should have done better. Uh, and, and is this something to build off of if it, if it was a strong finish? Uh, kind of freeform here, like I said, but would like to get any thoughts in uh, your personal perspective. Yeah, I can, I can take a stab at it. Um, I think, uh, to be honest, like with the Olympics, every four years, it, it's, it's hard to, to look at that because you have to think about like the age of the players that play right and so sometimes people will age out and you know they they turn some magic number where they don't bounce back from hard practices like they used to and they are kind of forced to retire and so um you, it's it's harder to look at it like in the long lens but i think they're they're trending in the right direction to your point they they are building upon something because the previous olympics was was definitely disappointing and the one before that I don't think was significantly better and then 08 was fantastic and not expected but then you look at all all the players that were on that team a lot of them were pretty old very experienced and it kind of put the time in and so it, it kind of culminated to that point where, where they were able to pull off that second place finish um, and that's a, that's a similar story to, to these other super super uh, talented teams that finished higher up uh, than us and so I think it's it's a step. Like I said, I think it's a step in the right direction. I uh, will not get too too personal about my my feelings on on how things were were played. I think they did a great job, um, but it's it's just tough to see because you you have to also take into account like I, we've. I think Charlie and I have, have talked about this before, but like people people abroad who play for these teams like Hungary and, and Serbia. Um, Water polo is like a way for them to provide for their families and actually like a, a very viable option for them as a career, right? So they can spend all of their effort, all of their time going after that one thing. Um, and it's probably maybe the best alternative for them. Whereas in the States, a lot of these guys, um, they have other options 
and other things. And so if they don't make this Olympics or, you know, they get cut for some reason, or maybe they, they just want to go to one to have it almost like a bucket list item. Um, they're not maybe as inclined to be in it for the long haul. And so with that, you have new guys coming in every year. And so I think time will tell if, if this is a step in the right direction based on how many guys come back for, for, uh, 2024. Um, but regardless, Charlie and I know a lot of guys on the, on the team, there's actually five, I think Stanford guys, um, that we know well and have played with, um, that are on that team. And so, like I said, I think time will tell. Um, and hopefully a lot of those guys come back for, for another. And, and Connor on that point about, cause I think that's really interesting about water polo being a viable career for these, you know, European teams, uh, it resonates with me a little bit with the discussion about soccer, why the U.S. men's national team for soccer has never really, I think, done that well in World Cups, international competitions. The discussion there is, oh, people would rather or the end goal for soccer is playing in college, whereas people will choose other sports like basketball and football where they can make more money. Uh, exactly. It, so, so would you say it's similar with water polo or or is it because if it's a viable option for these European players, do American players not have that option for it to be economically viable in these uh, European countries? Or is it just, you obviously don't want to go put your roots down in these European countries. Could you elaborate on that point just a little bit more? That'd be great to hear. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So it's, it's actually been, it's pretty popular for uh, collegiate players, you know, either in, in the Olympic quote unquote pipeline or just, people such, such as myself that, that aren't quite done it playing once they finish college to go abroad. So there are leagues set up. There are American players that have gone, gone abroad in the past and, and do that for however long they continue to play to stay in shape and kind of play the quote-unquote best of the best. And um, like, for example, I know going up to this, I want to say almost the entirety of the team was playing on some team abroad. Um, and so it's just, it's a lot to ask, I think, um, American players to leave their families, leave their countries and go play abroad. Um, it is, it is a long trip, uh, for them, but, but I think if they're serious about, you know, to the, to the overarching point of, of a viable option or, you know, does, does, does other employment or other career paths like trump someone's passion for something or, or or are they more in lines like some of these other players who are who are not only providing for their families but like doing something they love to do whereas maybe it's not an option for for the guys in the states but i think to your back to your original question like it it is popular there in the u.s i think has made strides with like the national league that they've just started that's that's you know it's masters water polo it's it's collegiate teams that are playing together and there's spectators that come out but it's a long way to go before it becomes some sort of you know actual professional or semi-professional league uh thanks connor Charlie, i I didn't mean to take away from from you adding in is there any uh thing else either before that point about the olympic experience you wanted to no, I mean it was they. I I agree with everything Connor said, and it was they have a a uh, just a really solid team this year, and and uh, a young roster, and so hopefully if they can keep the the roster together um, over over the next few 
few years and um, build up more more chemistry and and more experience playing at that that uh, high level, then um, hopefully the uh, you know just in a in a better position um, just for for games in the future when they have a uh, just build up that that experience. Um, and I'm actually curious, Zach. Um, you mentioned earlier how you know you're you uh, in in Dallas and you grew, growing up you you always wanted to play water polo. I'm I'm curious what sparked that initial interest early on for you to play water polo um, in Dallas. That that isn't too common. Yeah, uh, for sure. I, th- thanks for the question. Happy to speak about it. Uh, like I said, a really unique circumstance uh, with, with my high school. Uh, I, I had I went to the same school, first through 12th grade, uh, St. Mark's School of Texas. Uh, so we we're fortunate. Not a lot of high schools have pools. Uh, it's not California. We, we have uh, a water polo coach, uh, Mihai Opria. He, he's since left, but he was, he was there for, for 20 plus years who kind of just brought water polo to the school we had had a program in the uh mid 70s and water post never really gained that much traction in texas uil is the sanctioned sports league and you know it been it actually just got approved for a trial in the past couple years but in the past you know it was never really viable uh but that being said uh mihai opria just started introducing it to us in pe classes starting in second grade uh, we had a pool that was half shallow, half deep. And, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it real water polo, but we would be in the shallow end playing against the width of the pool, standing and shooting at the goal. And, you know, you take away the hardest part of water polo, which is the, the treading water and the constant exhaustion. It's just a really, it's just really fun sport. I, I mean, I don't need to tell you guys this. Um, and so I was just hooked from a young age. I always loved basketball and water polo. Just the, I think there's, uh, a lot of similarities in the flow of the game between the two sports. And I don't know, something about a goal, guys. It's just a goal is such a way more powerful than, than a basket. And so I, I just was always drawn to that. And that continued into uh, middle school PE. And so I started playing club and uh, competing in, in club in, in Texas and eventually joined uh, uh, the varsity team. Um, it and we actually had one player. I don't know how familiar you are with Cal players, uh, but Timothy Simmons played for the Cal Bears. He was the year above me, so he was class of 2019. I don't know if you ever played against him, but he was he was he's probably the best player in our school's history. We had a couple guys, uh, one go to Harvard, one go to Princeton, a couple others. Uh, we actually had the, the backup goalie for UCLA this past year, uh, Chase Honaker. Uh, he went to my high school, so... Uh, I, I think I was answering a little more than you asked for there, but that's kind of the, the story of water polo in North Texas and really the state of Texas because, sorry guys, it's, it's been, uh, I'm still at the game. Um, that's uh, just in a nutshell what prompted that experience and, and what led me to pursuing water polo. That's awesome. I've actually played against him before. Really? Yeah, so what, can you guys remind me what years you are, Charlie? You're 2017. We're we're the same age. Sweet, yeah. So so you got you guys know Tim. Tim was Tim Simmons was back to back state MVP, uh, 2014 and, and 2015. Uh, 
you know, we won back to back state championships with him. Uh, I, I was the grade below, obviously. Uh, and so uh, he, like, we had a three year stretch where we had the state MVP. One guy, I don't know if you guys are familiar with anybody from East Coast schools, but we had Warren Smith, who played at, played at Brown University. Um, and so as, as involved as a Texas school can be in water polo, that was St. Mark's. And honestly, just the camaraderie around the sport. Uh, it, it is such a grueling sport that, you know, putting up with those practices and, you know, team meals after, just the bonding aspect is something I was always drawn to. And, and the thing I missed the most, it's why I, you know, continued loosely with club with, with Avery uh, at Stanford. But um, it's why I have so much respect for, for people like yourselves that, you know, stuck with it and, and really played at the highest level possible for, for people our ages. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my story of uh, tech. Awesome. I love it. That's that's so cool. I think it's it's awesome to hear stories like that because it shows that the sport is spreading and gaining traction and in other places. Um, and uh, and I mean, whether it's Greenwich or or Texas or I mean, Florida, too. We even had some teammates from Washington and um, and Hawaii as well. Hawaii had had some some. Uh, a few few years good streak um and i'm wondering maybe maybe this is a great a good question for avery around the um what the club the club season is like at stanford um what type of like when do you what is the practice like like how frequently do you practice and then what teams do you end up competing against um is it mostly just other California teams or is there uh what's the the competitive season like yeah so um the club the club seasons kind of mirror the varsity seasons uh on a on a collegiate level so you know the men's season is in the the fall um on the west coast and the women's is in the spring um at Stanford we had a co-ed team which meant that we played in in the men's league um and we were, uh, my freshman year, we were the only team that was co-ed. I think there was one other team, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, by senior year that had a few women on it. Um, but yeah, starting starting freshman year and, and yeah, Zach, what, do you remember? No, I, uh, I, I was just say, I, I, I think you're right that we, we were one of the very few. And so I. I... Yeah, so. Um, so we played in we played in the men's league, which was you know pretty funny for the for the couple of women who were on our team to to walk onto that pool deck with with guys who look like you guys, and it's definitely super different than the experience playing in high school or even probably on a collegiate level uh, varsity with with all women. Um, but we we played uh, in the fall, and it was a relatively short season. Um, they would concentrate concentrate the games into tournaments grouped into basically three different weekends over the course of fall quarter. So for us, that means like September through um, December, really November. Um, and there are actually leagues all across the United States. So we were playing in the sort of Pacific Northwest um, kind of league, but there's leagues all across the US and ultimately whoever wins the regional leagues ends up going to uh, national championships 
uh, which the location of which changes every year, but um, it's pretty widespread. So most of the schools that have varsity programs across across the country also have these club programs and even some that don't even have varsity programs. So I think that's pretty promising uh, in, when discussing the future of the sport that there is a presence all across the country at a collegiate level. And so part of that might be due to the fact that California is a huge state and sends kids all across the country for, for college who might want to continue to play. Um, but I think that that is encouraging when thinking about kind of the sport growing and hopefully that will trickle down then to, um, you know, high school and then, you know, all the way down to the sort of young introductory level and get people involved to see people in their area playing it uh, at higher levels. Thanks, Avery. Avery, that's great. Um, but before we open up to questions, I, Avery, if you if you have uh, another second, if we could quickly circle back to what we were talking about before about your experience with with building a program. Uh, specifically, it'd be great to hear if you think there's anything you've learned from that experience uh, about building a program or dealing with anything there that you think could be applied to the growth of water polo in the U.S. If if there is any anecdote or or lessons. Yeah, I think that the biggest takeaway for me was to approach it with a plan. You know, I knew I really wanted to create the team. I was super, I still am super passionate about the sport. I think it's an amazing sport, um, especially for teamwork and and just personal growth. Um, but for me, a lot of the roadblocks that I ran into were people not understanding what the benefits of the sport are. Um, and so I had to be really organized about trying to communicate that, uh, especially to an athletic department that wasn't particularly open to the idea. And so, especially when talking about a women's team, um, there was a lot of discussion about recruiting. So at a high school level, um, you know, water polo, and this isn't actually even just at a high school level, water polo is a super accessible sport for any, uh, any community that has a pool. So other sports require huge amounts of equipment and um, investment to be able to play, but water polo, all you really need is a bathing suit. Um, and all the community needs to purchase are like two goals, some balls and some caps. It's pretty, it's a pretty low barrier to entry. And so communicating that that investment isn't huge if you already have a pool in the community. And then also when talking about recruiting, Title IX has this requirement for there to be equal number of men and women athletes accepting scholarships or receiving scholarships at a school. And so having a really small, really strong uh, water polo team in high school is a great way for women to be recruited to some of these great universities and receive those kinds of scholarships because it's not hugely popular across the U.S. And so it's easy to become pretty competitive um, pretty quickly. And there's a huge need for these really strong female athletes. And so communicating those types of benefits to the administration and to the community helped get people on board and get them to kind of understand what the benefits of having a team and growing the sport in the area would be. Thanks, Avery. You know, that's, that's really cool to hear. Uh, I think you and I are kind of aligned in our experiences coming from places where water polo wasn't as prevalent. Uh, and that's contrasted with, you know, Charlie and Connor, where it was kind of everywhere. And so it's really interesting to, to hear, to hear about that growth and then what we think we can be done uh, going forward. Uh, before we wrap up, I just want to open it up to the audience, see if anybody has any questions. Uh, otherwise, I think we'll, we'll go ahead and sign off. But I'll... All right. Well, 
Charlie, Connor, Avery, this has been a blast. I, you know, I feel we could have talked for a couple hours about this, um, but you know, it, it's it's great whenever we can condense stuff and and put it in a digestible way for for people to listen to. But thank you so much uh, for for co-hosting this episode of Sports with a Z. I really appreciate you all adding your experiences and commentary, and hope we can do this again soon. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Zach. Everybody, take care. Bye. Yeah.